0: This is the Action Network Podcast. And this one is good. All right, here we go. From
1: the 10th, throwing in zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch.
2: Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my
0: God. That's incredible.
1: <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money.
0: All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs>
1: Welcome to another episode of the Action Network Podcast. Sunday night in December, week 15 is in the books. It was a weird one. I'm your host, Brandon Anderson, here with Raheem Palmer. We got a lot of weird games this week, a lot of unders. Unders went 7-4 and today, but it felt like 11-0. and Only 40 touchdowns all day on Sunday. Though, of course, we missed a few games. We got a lot of players in the COVID protocols. We've got rescheduled games that we'll get back to, and I think the big story coming out of the day is the top of the NFC. Packers survive a two-point conversion and get the win. Cardinals and Bucks lose ugly. So, Raheem, does the road to the Super Bowl go
2: through Green Bay now? I'm not sure. I'm gonna be honest with you. I didn't like what I saw from Green Bay today. I think we can we can talk about that a little bit later. But to me, I, I think this thing still has to be wrapped up. So. We'll see what happens, but I have my thoughts on each of these teams.
1: Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. We'll come back. We're going to look at each one of those games to start off. Not a lot of super interesting games today, but games that have interesting implications. So we're going to focus more on that. We'll do Monday Night Football preview and a brief week 16 hot read and a little bonus hot read for you because we've got two Monday games and two Tuesday games. So we're going to give you a little bit of a preview of what we do know about those games coming. Though spoiler, it's not a lot because we're still not totally sure who's playing as of Sunday night. Record uh, odds today from BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. All right, let's start with those three NFC results at the top. Let's hit that Sunday night stinker in Tampa. Nine nothing. The Saints won nine nothing. Tom Brady gets shut out. Absolutely no points, no offense, no anything. Here's some Tom Brady nuggets for you. First Tom Brady out in 255 starts. Second longest streak in history. Last Tom Brady shutout 2006. Tom Brady was 29. No defensive player currently in the NFL was active. And Drew Brees was making his Saints debut that season. It's the first ever out at home by a team leading the league in scoring this late in the season. Saints 9 nothing. The Saints covered without even hitting the 11 points they were underdogs by. Obviously, we're way under. This, this was barely even watchable. What do you make of this?
2: Brady just still has issues with this Saints team since joining the Bucs. We saw in the four games that he's played previously, the Saints defense held the, the Bucs' high-flying offense to average of 310 total yards with the 42 QBR. And he has seven interceptions. That's more than double any other opponent. So we saw more of that tonight. Obviously, Brady was twenty-six of forty-eight, two hundred and fourteen yards, one interception. This Saints defense, for whatever reason, they just have his number. I mean, look—you got a a thirty-three percent success rate, passing success rate, thirty-two percent rushing success rate. This team—they just couldn't get anything done against this defense, and obviously. Chris Godwin got hurt, which is really rough going forward. But I think when they get everybody back, they got enough weapons to be able to overcome that. But for whatever reason, this Saints defense just has their number.
1: Yeah, Chris Godwin got hurt, and Mike Evans got hurt, and Leonard Fournette got hurt. That's literally the running—they're starting running back and two receivers. So you know there is a built-in excuse here. You, You lost your top three weapons, but Brady's my MVP pick. This is the guy I've been backing all year. If you're the MVP. If you're a Lamar Jackson or a Kyler Murray or someone like that, this is the game. you got to step up and go be the MVP and make those plays. It's not like you had to make a lot. You could have made like three plays all game, and it would have been enough. The Saints didn't even play that well. Defensively, they sure did. But on offense, the Saints were 3 of 16 on third down. They had one player on the entire team with positive EPA, which was Marquez Calloway. They had 212 yards of offense. So, it is really alarming for the Bucs to give up 200 yards, three and a half yards of play, and basically completely shut down the Saints, really, and just not be able to. You know, they didn't really threaten much in this. The, the one time they got a little bit close to threatening, then Brady got the fumble. Brady's number is really bad. Like, th- this is my MVP pick, but I am worried after this one. 53 dropbacks for 186 net yards is awful. Negative eighteen EPA expected points added. You don't want to be adding negative double what the other team scored. Uh, negative twelve completion percent over expected, and that met the eye test. This is not just Brady had no weapons, but when he did throw to someone, it'd go eight yards over their head, or it'd bounce in front of them, or it'd go to the Saints guy. Not just not a good game, just really really bad. He can't beat these Saints. That sums up this game pretty much. So I, I thought that Tom Brady and the Bucks are the stink of the week, but we've got an even stinkier stink of the week, and that is the Arizona Cardinals.
2: Smell it, smell it, smell it.
0: It's the smell. It's quite pungent. Dude, Plug your nose. It stinks. This is your stink of the week. Yeah, yeah. Ooh,
1: because the Cardinals just got completely demolished by the Detroit Lions. The 11 in one Detroit Lions. This is not like the Lions snuck out a victory. The Lions just went wire to wire on this thing. 30 to 12, dominant victory. Detroit was a 12 and a half point underdog plus 525 on the money line. This is one of the, I think this was like a top 15 upset of the decade. So Arizona Cardinals absolutely lay an
2: egg, stink of the week. What do you think about the Cardinals here? I mean, they have been running hot for the whole year. This is the NFL. This is the real NFL. Look, (laughs) you're going to have guys missing games, have guys hurt. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is out for the season. At some point, they have to come down to earth. And this is a a Detroit Lions team, which is proud. They play tough. Every game, they've been in it. So even though they're just 211 and one, they should have more than two wins. So one of our podcast producers, (laughs) Matt Mitchell, He was always getting on Cliff Kingsbury. And when have we not seen a Cliff Kingsbury Arizona Cardinals team lose an easy game (laughs) at the end of the year? So this is par for the course. Yeah,
1: so let me give you guys the numbers on Cliff Kingsbury. I did the deep dive today. You ready? It's gruesome. Okay, so since Cliff Kingsbury was the coach at Texas Tech, so this is a trend that has gone from 2014 to present. Here's how. here, Here we go. 2014 they won the first 2 games they lost 8 of the final 10 games this is what kingsbury does start out well and then just completely implode at the end of the season next season 5 and 2 start 2 and 4 finish next season 2016 they start 3 and 1 then they win only 2 of their last 8 the next season 4 and 1 2 of their last 8 they win and now we're up to 2018 they start 5 and 2 they lose 5 in a row to end the season miss the bowl games entirely so this is year after year after year. Somehow the Cardinals decide, let's give this guy the head coaching job. So he he loses up to Arizona. Now his first year, 3 3 and 1, and then they lose seven of their final nine games. So the trend is continuing. 2020. He goes five and two to start out. You forget that. The Cardinals went five and two last year. They look like a playoff team. Kyler got hurt, to be fair. But then they lost six of their final nine. And one of those wins they got was a Hail Mary win also. They went eight and eight, missed the playoffs. So here we are. Cardinals 10-2 and to start the season. Now they've lost two games in a row, and it's not easy. They play the Colts next. They play the Cowboys. They play the Seahawks, who might still be in the playoff race. How worried are we? Is this another Matt Mitchell-Cliff-Kingsbury special? Is the meltdown coming? Where are you at on the panic meter here?
2: I am panicking. I'm I'm not even going to lie to you just because I just think this team has just been running so hot. Look, you got a Colts team which is running really hot right now. You got to deal with a Cowboys defense that's just pretty much been unstoppable the last couple of weeks. They've been dominating these teams. They've been winning with their defense for for the most part. And then you got a desperate Seahawks team which could be fighting to get into the playoffs. I'm I'm very concerned about this Cardinals team because they can go from possibly getting a first round bye to, I don't even know if they're going to win a division at this point. So.
1: Yeah. I'm a little less worried than you, but I'm still worried. So here's why I'm a little less worried. So it's 17, nothing at the half. Obviously that's bad, but we got just before the half, the Cardinals drive down the field. It looks like they're going to score. And then they get inside the 10, they turn over on downs. They went four a fourth down. You like that. It's the lions. You should be able to score. You're the Cardinals. They don't get it. So now they come out of the half, they drive down again, they get inside the 10 again, they get to fourth down again. This time they kick it because you can't dare lose turnover and downs. You get nothing twice. So now it's 17 to three. It could have been 17, 14, just like that. And then the Cardinals run away with this thing. And then later turnover and downs on the 30 and the Cardinals give up another score. Uh, Cardinals only had three plays the entire first quarter. So this, the line started out well, Arizona had some chances, uh, there was that Detroit interception, uh, that the, the awesome play. Dove in front of the, the receiver, caught the ball, returned all the way down to the six. Lions score touchdown, next play, 24-3, game over. So this isn't as much of a landslide loss as it looked, but you still lost to the Lions by 18. <laughs> you still gave up three touchdowns and five incompletions to Jared Goff, who, by the way, I think you probably heard this, Jared Goff now, 8 and 1 against the Arizona Cardinals, including 4 0 against Cliff Kingsbury. So the man is a Cardinals killer. Craig Reynolds, the running back, 26 carries, 112 yards. Craig Reynolds from Cutstown University, Division two in Pennsylvania. Is that anywhere near you? Have you ever heard, or heard of Cutstown University before?
2: Yes, I have. It's not close, but it's about an hour, a <laughs> couple hours away. So
1: <laughs> yeah, well, Cardinals went one of three on fourth down, all of four in the red zone. That was, like we've said all year, that's where third down and red zone and late downs, this is where the Cardinals have been defying regression all season. And it just hit them in a hard, hard way today. So I don't make too much of this particular loss. Like you said, it's football. You lose a game like this sometimes. But we got the Kingsbury numbers. We've got two losses in a row. We've got a tough schedule coming. The Rams just beat them. I'm not panicking yet, but... As of two weeks ago, heading into that Monday night game, I was ready to say, okay, I think I was wrong on the Cardinals. This might be the team to beat in the NFC. Yeah, I'm out. I'm definitely not there anymore. So I'm not totally out on the team, but I'm I'm backing off of that position. Cardinals are in trouble. That, that's our stink of the week. Now let's go to the Packers. Like you said, Packers-Ravens, one of our interesting finishes we actually got today, Packers 31-30, John Harbaugh, aggressive all game, Ravens are down 14. They get the touchdown. They force a three and out. They drive down again. Tyler Huntley, the backup, just shredding the- For the second week in a row, he's done this. Second week in a row. And they score the touchdown with 47 seconds left, decide to skip the extra point, go for two, go for the win, and incomplete. Packers hold on, get the onside kick, and get the win by a one. Because it's the Packers, of course, they get the luck, and they get the win by a one. Way over, of course. Ravens get the cover plus nine. So Baltimore, even at home without their quarterback, Lamar Jackson, was a big dog here. I know that you liked, you bet the Packers, I think, live in game on this one. I thought it was a good bet. It was looking
2: good for a while and then just fell apart late. What happened? Look, not only did I have the Packers live in game, I had the Packers minus five and a half Ugh. earlier on in the week. I had them in contest. It took a four and one week away from me and made it a three and two week. So I'm really, really, really not happy with that because obviously in these contests four and one and five and no, will get you moving up. Whereas three and two, you you're kind of just maintaining your position. And it was very frustrating for me. I'm in the money in one of my contests, the other one, other two contests, I'm, I'm getting close to the money, but that kind of killed it for me. And it's just, it's very frustrating. Second week in a row, um, Tyler Huntley, he's the gamer though, 28 of 40, 215 yards, two touchdowns. He's auditioning for a starting spot next year. Obviously, he had a 9.6 EPA, 48% success rate, 35% of his plays went for a first down. He did everything he could to win that game. So I didn't necessarily like the decision to go for two because I feel like even if they got the two, it was enough time on the clock. The probably probably puts this team in field goal position anyway. But I think that decision was based on the fact that The Ravens don't have a defense left. Marlon Humphreys obviously out. They lost more guys this week. I think he knew that that's our only chance to win this game. We go to overtime, we don't really have a shot. So I I get it. But when I look at this Packers team, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm a little concerned. Defensively, they didn't have Kenny Clark there. But this is a Ravens team, when you looked at four out of their last six games, they haven't cracked 20 points. So this Ravens team was moving the ball up and down the field. They haven't been great. As far as running the ball today, they had 143 rushing yards on 5.5 yards per carry. I know Kelly Clark was missing, but it just felt like they couldn't stop Mark Andrews. He got 10 receptions, 136 yards, two touchdowns. They couldn't stop anything in the middle of the field. It just felt like they were playing such soft coverage. And I'm curious to see how they're going to slow down the Bucks with Gronk or the 49ers with Kittle, because both of those teams can run the ball and They can pass to the middle of the field and they still have outside threats. So they may be a team I'm looking to fade in the the postseason if they get the wrong matchup.
1: Yeah, it's not great to give up 30 points to the struggling Ravens with no Lamar Jackson. Like we've been saying all year, he's the entire offense. So when Lamar Jackson's out, then you got to feel pretty good if you're the Packers. Maybe they felt a little too good, but uh, yeah, John Harbaugh, look. I love John Harbaugh. I've loved backing the Ravens for like, you know, the last three years with Lamar Jackson and a great ride. I love the aggression. It just feels like the aggression cost them today. And I don't know if that means that it was the, you know, it's, you don't want to do judgments based on the results, but that two point conversion, I agree. If you get it, I, I tweeted this. If you score the touchdown with like under 30 seconds toward 20 seconds left now go for two, because now you're basically going for the win. But with 47 seconds left, Rodgers has a timeout and is Rodgers, by the way. We've seen this all year for seasons in a row. I agree. If you go for two and get ahead by a one, like if you tie it, the Packers probably play conservative and go toward overtime and you hope that you get there. You go for two, get the lead by a one with 47 seconds left. Rodgers has to go. Like you got to go for it and you have no secondary. You have no corners to stop them. Rodgers really hadn't been stopped this game. He did get sacked three times. The uh, Green Bay's O line is not in good shape, but he, his numbers were really good: 268 yards and three touchdowns. The advanced metrics, everything really good. Like uh, MVP performance for Rodgers is just that he was in the field that much because his defense couldn't get off the field. So if you look at just the Rodgers numbers in production, it should have really been a comfortable win by Green Bay, and it was going to be until it wasn't anymore. And then the Ravens came almost all the way back. First drive of the game. The Ravens drive all the way down. Don Harbaugh goes for it aggressively. I like it. You're the underdog. You got to go for it to the Packers. Turnover on downs. You lost by one. A field goal there might have been nice, but that's results-based thinking. It's a good decision, but uh, yeah, just, he, he goes for two. He, he goes for that one there. I think there was another ton- turnover on downs that they went for it, you know, down 14 with like 12 minutes left, they went for it on their own 30 because they're down 14 and then to get it, the Packers got the field goal again, three more points. You lost by one. So it's, there's going a were I don't think They, 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 they weren't
2: were down 14 at the point. They were down 11. Down
1: 11. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So yeah. Cause then that's what put them down 14. Once they yeah. get off that field goal, that's the only Packers score they got near the end. So th- this, the, the Packers offense deserve this but the defense didn't, but it doesn't matter. Wins are binary. They got the win and Green Bay now with the Cardinals loss and the Bucks loss, Green Bay is in great position because they already had the tie break. They're already, now they have a tie break and their game up on everybody. And here's the schedule the rest of the way. They're home for Cleveland, who by the way, is in a COVID outbreak and on a delayed game. Then they're home for the Vikings and they're at the Lions. So the path is paved. You win those three games that they're going to be heavily favored in. You get to 14-3. and You're the one seed. Everyone has to come to Green Bay. You get the only bye week that's left. (laughs) I'm with you that I don't come away inspired by Green Bay in this game, but you and I have said all year the way to win in the playoffs is get the one seed. And the Packers, of every team in the NFL, the Packers have to be the heavy favorite to be the one one seed considering anyone we've got, right?
2: You are a hundred percent right. You're a hundred percent right, but I think I have my moments where I have to trust my gut. And you know what this Packers team reminds me of? They kind of remind me of the Saints of the last three years. I was just gonna
1: say that as you were saying, who they remind me of? I was like, I think it's the Saints. It's gonna be the Saints. When you look at the Saints.
2: First year back after missing the playoffs for a couple of years, what happens? You're Minnesota, Vikings. Minneapolis miracle. That's right. What happens in the following year? You got the non pass interference call. Following year after that, they're heavy favorites against the Minnesota Vikings again. They lose outright at home. So, this Packers team has made the NFC championship two straight games 13 and three, back to back years, overperforming their Pythagorean expectation. Back to back years, they get dominated by the 49ers who can run the ball with the outside run scheme. What happens the following year? They have home field advantage. You're facing the Bucks. The Bucks are red hot. Obviously, T- Taylor Hennocky gave us some, some problems in the, in the first playoff game. And you look at the, the game in the first half. The Bucks are running away with it, and they had to fight their way back into the game. And I still see some of the same issues with this Packers team still struggling to stop the run. And in a game in Lambeau, you gotta you're gonna have to run the ball. So just my gut feeling is saying this Packers team just might be one of those snake bitten teams. But when you look at the numbers, it's clear that the Packers probably should be the favorite. Yeah.
1: And so right now, here are the numbers. So at Bet MGM, as of Sunday evening, the Bucs and the Packers are tied at plus 240 to win the NFC. So that's the top odds. They are tied at plus 500 to win the Super Bowl. So they are basically giving us even odds on Packers and Bucks. Cardinals actually are down to fifth in the NFC among our options. So the books are definitely out on the Cardinals. what about this one? Because we've talked about it a lot all year. Tom Brady, after that egg he laid tonight without his weapons, still the odds on a favorite for MVP. He's at minus 120 at BetMGM. Aaron Rodgers is plus 250. Pat Mahomes and Jonathan Taylor are way out at plus 1600. It feels like Rodgers should be the favorite right now, doesn't it? It feels like he should be the guy.
2: Yes, it definitely does. And when you look at their schedule, obviously they have the Browns next week. You got the Vikings at home. You got the Lions. If they win those three games, Aaron Rodgers is the back-to-back MVP. Yeah, I, I think so. I'm <laughs> I, i, I I'm worried. I, I
1: will be making a decision. I'll tweet it out to followers. I'm not sure right now if I'll be hedging. We all know I've got a big Brady position on MVP. And Rodgers... If you're giving me a two and a half odds and a chance to hedge at that, it's going to be really hard for me to pass on it because Roger's been better. He just has been better. Like the only reason he's not the MVP favorite right now is because of all the media mess and the the vax and all that. And I don't know how much does he have to be ahead by to overcome that. We don't know that yet, but
2: I am worried. I'm worried. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, obviously, and then, the Buccaneers, they got two games against the Panthers. The Panthers offense really isn't playing well. But this is a solid Panthers defense. So, I mean, obviously he's going to rack up his numbers against the Jets. This this is this is neck and neck. So, I think if you have some Tom Brady MVP futures, maybe you want to hedge a little bit with Aaron Rodgers. Do you think Patrick Mahomes is out of it yet, though? Because, obviously, he, he came back huge in uh, Thursday's matchup against the Chargers. So, I'm interested to see what your thoughts is on that. I think he's plus 800 at this point still.
1: He's plus 16 at Bet MGM right now. So you can really get a long shot on him or on Jonathan Taylor if you believe in a non-quarterback. I think it's Brady or Rodgers. I thought it was, I thought for a few weeks now, it's going to be Brady, Rogers or Kyler, whoever won the NFC. Kyler, I think, is kind of between the missing the games and now the Cardinals' slight tailspin. I'm not sure that that's really a spot anymore. It's hard for me to see what has to happen at this point, especially Packers and Bucks' schedule is so soft. One or both of those teams are going to be 13, 14 win teams, best record in the, in the whole NFL with Rodgers or Brady as the lead. I just don't know how that's not the MVP. Like Mahomes has just not been that good this season. Even as in this win streak, it's still not a Mahomes thing. It's the defense and the rest of the team. So I don't think it's crazy, but I think that you really need Brady or Rodgers both to really fall off.
2: Open the door for someone else. So it's just interesting. I mean, this team's won seven in a row. Yeah. Mahomes is six in EPA per play plus completion over expectation composite. And if he closes out this year strong, I don't know. I, I know <laughs> some guys who put in some futures on Mahomes. He has a, he's a matchup against the Steelers, the Bengals, and the
1: Broncos. You know, those are all three possible playoff teams. So if he closes out well, he's going to have his chances. And it's Pat Mahomes, so you, you can never say never but uh, it will be interesting to watch. I'm sure we'll keep keep circling back to that one. Ravens have now lost by 1 2 and 1 the last 3 weeks. That's a brutal stretch. Right now, if the playoffs started right now, the Ravens are out. They're out of the playoffs. They were the division leader today, they were the one seed I think a couple of weeks ago. They're out right now. They're at 8 and 6. The Bengals are leading the division. So, going to be very interesting. The AFC is really tight. Let's hit a couple of those big AFC games quickly before we wrap up here this section. Titans at the Steelers. I I love the Steelers in the underdog spot all week. They ended up not even being an underdog. They closed as favorites or pick them, depending on your book, Pittsburgh, 19 to 13, the Steelers get the win. I got to tell you, uh, Steelers were my top bet of the week. And about an hour in, I just had already cut my losses. Like the Titans were running through the Steelers every like 10 yards, a rush, just gashing them. Steelers defense couldn't get off the field. And I was like, man, I got to get past the laundry and just remember that the Steelers are not defensive right now. They just can't stop anybody. And I'm like, is there any hope here? Is anything going to happen? It's, it's that Steelers, home field, Tomlin, Big Ben, voodoo magic. And then that's what happened. Four turnovers the Titans had, including three and 10 snaps. And they just totally gave
2: the game away. Even though the Titans, they pretty much dominated in every area. They won a yardage, 318 to 168 yards per play, 4.1 to 3.7. Third downs, 44% to 18%. Rushing yards, 20, 201 to 35. But the turnovers killed them. And even at the end, the Titans are driving with a chance to take the lead. The, the Stoes were fortunate to pull that game off. They're very, very fortunate. Because the thing you didn't mention is that
1: before that Steelers missed field goal to end the half, it should have been over already. The Titans. Had a 19 play, 19 plays, 64 yard, 10 minute drive, and settled for three. Like you're gashing the Steelers, you're running through them. You gotta, you know, you're the Titans. You're about just physical, you know, be a man, go win football games. You gotta get the knockout punch in there. So it goes to 13 to three at the half, even with that missed Steelers field goal. But they really, Like the the field goal Pittsburgh had is only because Tennessee fumbled in their own territory. So that gave Pittsburgh their points. It really should have been like 17 nothing at the half, 21 nothing at the half. It should have just been over. Pittsburgh's not coming back. Well, (laughs) my Vikings would beg to differ on Pittsburgh not coming back from a huge deficit, I guess. Uh, But 17 nothing, 20 nothing at the half, it's over. Pittsburgh, yeah, 168 yards of offense. The Titans just totally gave this game away. Ryan Tannehill was awful, awful all game. He fumbled a snap, he was sacked four times, he had interception. The Titans had three first downs that they gave up on penalties. They had one for four in the red zone. They they outran plays, 78 plays to 45. They had the ball basically twice as much as the Steelers, and the defense did its job. Tannehill and the offense just completely gave this one away. And, like, we, all year we talked about, both of us, we've been looking to fade the Titans, waiting for the regression. And it's like in just a ninety-minute monsoon, it all came for Tennessee. Every regression monster, just like blah, and he gave it all back to Pittsburgh, and we got it.
2: Yeah, I mean it's rough. I I'm gonna be honest with you. I I don't like them next week against San Francisco as well. I don't. Um. So that's, that's that's like our early hot read before we get into the hot read. So yeah, that's I just,
1: Thursday I, Thursday night game, and I, I I agree. It's it's a rough spot. Some of these teams, as the Tennessee's, the Baltimore's of the world, that were like came into two today fighting for the one seed that like by the end of next Sunday might be just barely even in the playoff picture. So uh, let's talk about one more Saturday night, the game we were all excited for that really did not live up to the hype. It was a snoozer Patriots, Colts, Colts, 27, 17. But if you didn't watch that is not indicative of what this game felt like this game was Colts got the quick early 14, nothing lead and then just shut it down. I felt like, Indianapolis, Belichick, Bill Belichick, they ran the ball, they played defense, and they said, we're ahead by 14. You're not going to beat us. We're just going to not make mistakes. Tell Carson got his one bad interception in there, and you're not going to catch up. And they almost caught up. They got within three. Jonathan Taylor got his big late touchdown to break away. Kind of a snoozer game, but it felt like the Colts turned the table on Belichick here.
2: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. It just... It was very frustrating. And I, I think some of it had to do with the fact that Carson Wentz didn't play well. Look, he's five of twelve for fifty-seven <laughs> yards, one touchdown, and one interception. It's it's just like and the interception was just so egregious. I thought bad Carson was done. And it's <laughs> clear that it's not. So this team, I mean, they have a, a real shot because I think they have an advantage with Jonathan Taylor. There's not too many teams in, in the league who can truly run the ball in the ways that the Colts can, other than the Titans with Derrick Henry, Matt Jones didn't play well in the first half. I kind of expected that. I expected a, a better performance from the Colts' defense because they've been struggling recently. But Matt Jones, he turned it on the second half. And I'm interested to see what he can do going forward because obviously the Patriots aren't going to be able to win with him just handing the ball off every time. So this is a passing lead, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this team. For sure. Uh, My two other things from this game that I noticed, uh, first of all, get,
1: get all the way out of here with Jonathan Taylor, MVP talk. No, it's not happening. It's going to be one of the quarterbacks. It's 2021. It's a quarterback's league. It's not going to be Jonathan Taylor. The MVP of the Colts is not Jonathan Taylor. It's the offensive line. That, that huge MVP touchdown run. Nobody barely touched him. He went through a gaping hole, made one cut and one guy got a hand on him as he was waved by off to just no man's land running for a touchdown a lot of running back score that touchdown, the offensive line converted three for three on fourth downs where Carson Wentz got the sneak because the line got the push and kept the chains moving in this game. You know, Quentin Nelson and the, the guys up front, they're the MVP of the tier. They're the ones dominating. Jonathan Taylor's good, but he's not the MVP. Come on. The other thing too, we criticize coaches all the time when they're not aggressive. The Patriots are down 20 to seven fourth and goal inside the 10, nine minutes left, Bill Belichick kicks the field goal. I thought that was insane. Belichick is down two scores with nine minutes left and kicks the field goal to stay down two scores. It's like, that feels like the white flag moment. And Belichick has has really been not aggressive all season. I, I guess he's protecting the rookie quarterback, but it's nine minutes left. The one seed is maybe on the line. The division is on the line. The, you know, the, if the Patriots lose the Bills next week, they're not only not the one seed, they're not even leading the division anymore.
2: I, I can't let you kick a field goal down 13 with nine minutes left. Yeah, I, I didn't understand it at all. And it, I mean, look, I just feel like the conservative nature of some of these coaches right now, is just, it, it's very frustrating. All right, let's hit the
1: rest of Sunday's action and wrap up week 15. The Texans completed the season sweep of the Jaguars with apparently what counts as an upset on Daryl Bevel's first drive in charge after Urban Meyer's firing. Jaguars had a third and 10 inside the 11. They run the ball, waste a timeout, kick a field goal from the four as a two and 11 team, and immediately give up a kickoff touchdown return to go down 14 to three. So it's a good summary of the Jaguars season right now. Houston wins 30 to 16 plus 200 on the money line. I've given out on our Friday pod three times this season to bet the Houston money line. They're only three wins. I'm taking that one. Jacksonville's loss puts them into the number one draft slot right now. So maybe it is a win for the Jaguars after all. Niners upended the Falcons 31-13. Closer than the final score looked in rough one if you bet the over. Atlanta was 0-3 on third down, all in the red zone. The Falcons ran 20 red zone plays on five drives and scored three points. And the game stayed under by a field goal. So that was a rough one if you had the over. Bengals-Broncos. In a day of boring football and no close games, Bengals-Broncos literally stayed within one score the entire 60 minutes without ever being in- interesting in any way, really. Neither team at 300 yards. We almost made it to halftime with more punts than first downs. Bengals win 15-10. Denver Unders 11-3 on the season. Giants rewarded their fans for another season of mediocrity and irrelevance by giving out free soda. It was only a medium and only one, not per ticket, but if your name was on the account, Uh, New York lost also 21 to six to the Cowboys. And it wasn't that close. The jets took a 17 seven lead over the dolphins, but failed to score again on offense. Miami came back to win 31, 24, six wins in a row for the dolphins seven and seven. Now the jets did get the cover though. And in the Christmas spirit for batters, the Angel Gabriel Davis brought the Bills batters good tidings of great joy with a late touchdown to hit the cover and the over. Buffalo beats Carolina 31-14, and all eight Bills wins this season have come by 15 or more points. By the way, Panthers have lost 12 straight Cam Newton starts. They are 1-11 against the spread in those Cam Newton starts. All right, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor and get to Monday Night Football.
0: The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your Action App. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem, call one 800 522 4700 in Colorado and Nevada. one 800 gambler in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. one 800 9 with it in Indiana. one 800 270 7117 in Michigan. one 800 889 9789 in Tennessee. one 800 bets Off in Iowa. Or one 888 532 3500 In Virginia. Nutsync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show.
1: Monday night, my Minnesota Vikings come to my Chicago to take on the Bears. The Vikings are nearly a touchdown favorite, six and a half point favorites on the road. Total is at 44 and a half. Chicago has not been a friendly confine to the Minnesota Vikings, but Chicago is struggling with some COVID issues and, you know, Football. They're struggling with
2: football. So, what do you think, Vikings or Bears? I don't think you take the Vikings at this current number. Obviously, it's opened up at three and a half. It's pushed up all the way up to six and a half right now. So, this is for me. It's tough to to be able to back it. I think at this point, it's either Bears or pass. But I think this is a game that possibly can go over. Like when you look at these defenses, who do you really trust to like truly get a stop? (laughs) When you look at the Vikings, obviously. They're just 17th in EPA for play. The Bears are 27th. When you look at the drop at EPA for play, the Bears are just 26th. Vikings are 11th, but I don't really trust them to go out there and consistently stop any team. So I think if I had to play anything, I'd play to over, but I'm not really high on anything at this point. Yeah, this, uh,
1: for me as a Vikings fan, this is going to be a game that I am not touching just because – Uh, I've lived in the Chicago area for two decades now, and since I moved here, Minnesota coming to Chicago has not gone well for me. That day of the game, not well. That day after the game, usually not a great one for me either as a Vikings fan, because this century in Chicago, Minnesota has won four out of 20 times visiting the Bears in Chicago this century. 12 of those 20 games have been one score games. And by the way, 12 of 13 Minnesota games have been one-score games this season. So at 6.5, I feel pretty good about the Bears here. Uh, Minnesota, this entire century, has won in Chicago by more than a field goal one time. It was last year against Nick Foles, and the Vikings still need a touchdown with five minutes left uh, just, to, just to get over there. So the, the history here screams Chicago – Plus six and a half, plus 240 on the money line. If you're not willing to bet it, maybe you wait and live bet it. Raheem, you've given the stat over and over again. What's Minnesota do? They take the lead. Minnesota's led by six or more in every single game of the season. So if the Vikings are already six and a half point favorites and take their early lead like they always do, now you probably can get the Bears at more than a touchdown underdog. And
2: just for the cover, How do you feel about that one? Maybe going for the live angle. I I really like approaching that from a live angle. I mean, we've just seen time and time again, this Vikings team, they can't consistently get stops. and We all know, Kirk Cousins in prime time. You never want to bet Kirk Cousins in prime time. Look, I mean, I don't know why he struggles in prime time so much, but for whatever reason, he's just 8 and 17 straight up in prime time. Look, there's been 62 quarterbacks with more than 500 pass attempts in primetime among among them kirk cousins 32 win percentage is fourth worst among all quarterbacks only quarterbacks were worse of are jeff george two and 17 andy dalton six and 18 and jim everett i mean chris everett <laughs> 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 to quote the great jim rome is eight and 18 so maybe you do want to wait for this to get seven and, and, or take a cheap buy to seven and, and put, put a little something on the bears.
1: <laughs> yeah. Look, if you're playing this game on paper, the Vikings win because the Vikings, the last six weeks, number two in EPA offensively. So very good Kirk cousins on the season, EPA plus completion over expectation has been top five. The last four weeks, first quarter, he's number one among all quarterbacks in that staff for the season. And before you point out, Fourth quarter is still top 10. He's still hanging around. Kirk has been good. The Vikings offense has been good. The Vikings should dominate both sides of the passing game here. Passing defense should be able to shut down whatever is left of the Bears passing attack. Passing offense should be able to attack a very beatable Bears secondary. On paper, Minnesota should be favored by 6.5 and get this win. But Minnesota has not played any games on paper this season. They always find a way to get the lead and give it back. And in Chicago, they always find a way to let things stay close. So, I I actually, I will play this one. I, I was teasing earlier. I'm a Vikings fan, but I have to take the Bears here. The history screams out Chicago here. So, I'm just debating on whether I will play it now or wait for that lead and hope that I get a little bit better line. I think either one is a good play, but I agree. There's no way I'm putting my money on Minnesota here. But I think it's Chicago or pass, but I think Chicago is a pretty good angle here at home.
2: Yeah. I, I, like as we talk through this game, I, I, I'm kind of with you and I, I think you can get a cheap by the seven. I think that has a positive expectation long-term.
1: All right. So think about playing the bears. And of course, as you know, we got some bonus Monday and Tuesday football this week. So we're gonna give you a little bonus hot read action here. Give you some preview coming up for those games. Though let's be fair. We postponed these games to find out more info and see who's going to start. We haven't learned a whole lot yet. So, first game, Monday, Monday afternoon before the Monday night football game, Raiders at Browns. The Browns right now are minus three. That line surely could move around a little bit. I assume Monday morning after you listen to this, we're going to get some information. We don't know who's playing quarterback for the Browns yet. We don't know who's playing anything for the Browns. They're like, they're, we're still missing like 11 of the 22 starters. So, Do you have any insights on this game? Is there an angle that you have based on what we do know right now?
2: Darren Waller's out, and that's big for the Raiders. But when you look at the other side of the the field, like, look, the Browns could be potentially missing everybody. Like, we don't know if Baker Mayfield's playing. Last week, the, the Browns had 18 total players on the COVID. list. They had the left tackle, right tackle, tight end. You got wide receivers you have so many guys missing for the Browns that that's why this line actually shot up. The Browns actually opened up as six and a half point favorites. And now they're underdogs at this point. So actually, you know, the line flipped back, they're actually three point favorites at this point. But at one point they were three and a half point underdogs. But I mean, I think that line implies that we're going to see some of these guys come back, but we're not quite sure who's going to be coming back. Who's going to be in a lot of who's not. But I think if if, if you can get, Jedrick Willis come back. You can get Wyatt Teller coming back. You get you get those guys coming back. I think you're in a, a good place to probably lay points with the Browns, especially if you were one of the lucky ones who actually took points with the Raiders. I actually took some points with the Raiders. So you had guys setting up a middle earlier, but I think three is probably the number where you want to start looking towards the Browns, especially with the way, way this Raiders offense has been playing. Outside of the game against the Cowboys, they really have struggled to score and John Gruden was their offensive guru as far as calling plays. So this team hasn't really been the same since then. Having no waller in the in the in the lineup is, is tough. So I think you got to be looking Browns here.
1: So I wrote the preview for this one. You and I had to, we we had to flip coin to see who was gonna get the previews. And I lucked into the Browns Raiders bouncing all over the place all week. So if you check when you listen to this Monday morning, you check on theactionnetwork.com. I'll have a brief update for you there. Here's the angle that I like in this game. The Browns all season have been fantastic in the first quarter. Baker Mayfield has been a top three EPA quarterback first quarter. The offense has been very good early downs and early quarter. The Raiders have been a terrible early team. Derek Carr only ahead of Zach Wilson and EPA in the first quarter. So flip the game. Now go to the fourth quarter. If it's Baker, Baker is 30th out of 30 quarterbacks in EPA in the fourth quarter. The Raiders are top five EPA offense in the fourth quarter. So the Browns are favored now. They're probably favored when this starts. I'm going to wait and I'm going to live bet. If I actually feel like I have a feel for who's playing, because now we'll see who's actually on the field. I'm going to do treat this like I do with the Vikings and bears. I'm going to assume we get a, maybe a Browns lead. And like you've talked about when the team is favored, they don't quite adjust the live action often enough. If the underdog has a chance I'm going to look to live bet the Raiders past the three, maybe get me back toward that touchdown. You and I talked last week, we thought about taking the Raiders before all this mess at six and a half underdogs, and we were hoping they might get to seven. So if I can get something close to that range again, even with the Browns missing some other guys, that I think that I'm going to look for that, that uh, live action and play the Raiders to cover, maybe even take a Raiders money line just because they've been so much better late in games if it's close.
2: Yeah, I'm not mad at that at all. I mean, obviously, I, I do think the number kind of lends itself to towards saying that a lot of these guys from the Browns are going to come back. So, obviously, you got to wait on that. But we were looking at the Raiders last week. If you can get them at that original number, it's probably not a bad play at all.
1: All right, Tuesday, we've got the Washington football team heading to Philadelphia to face the Eagles. We have no idea who's playing quarterback for either team in this game. Jalen Hurts is injured. Eagles are off the bye week, but we don't know for sure if he'll play, especially with the condensed schedule coming up now. We don't know if Taylor Heineke will play or Kyle Allen or one of the names they literally signed off the street to play quarterback. Kerry McLaurin is a question mark. There's a lot of question marks here. The winner of this game goes to seven and seven and ties for the seven seed. So this game does (laughs) matter, but... I don't have any idea where to start here without knowing who's coming or who's going. Do you have any angle on this one?
2: I actually took the Eagles earlier on, laying the six and a half, knowing where the number was going to go. Look, sometimes you do everything right in this business, and it for whatever reason it just flips on a hit on its head and just doesn't work out. With the NFL postponing this game, we were at a place to where you look at this Washington football team; they were missing four, five of their six linemen on the defense. Like the only tackle they had was Deron Payne. Like literally everybody on the defensive line was out. Matt Ioannidis. It's like the Eagles were going to run through this defense like a hot knife through butter. And the whole handicap is going now. So, And by the way, by the way
1: Washington was playing a quarterback that was on the roster the day, like 24 hours before the game. Like this, this was going to be, what, what what was it? Kendall Hilton was that the Broncos guy last year? This is going to yeah. be one of those games again where it's just like, all right, this this is not football. What are we doing here? And yeah, you're, you're upset. You had the Eagles six and a half. I had Eagles two and a half. I had that on wow. the look ahead last week. So I got that ticket. I'm feeling real good about it. And now who
2: knows what's going to happen with this one? When you look at the Eagles quarterback situation, I don't think that's a big deal. When you look at the Eagles backup quarterback situation, obviously Gardner Minshew has experience. He's coming earlier this year. And he carved up the Jets, obviously the Jets defense, but this Washington football team defense hasn't proven that they truly can stop anybody. I know they've had some regression in recent weeks, but Gardner Mitchell was capable of carving up this Washington football team defense. And in some ways he has skill sets that Jalen Hurst doesn't have. He's able to, to throw the ball all around the field. So I'm not looking at that as a downgrade at all. So, I mean, I think when this matchup, you kind of got to be looking at the Philadelphia Eagles minus six and a half. Washington's not going to get everybody back. The Eagles know they need to win this because they're in the unfortunate position of having to play three games in 13 days. Obviously, we saw the Titans were successful in this last year. But with the way COVID is, is, is happening this year, it almost feels like March 2020 again. So if they don't win this game, who knows what who they get in contact with the Washington football team, who's going to be missing next week. So I think you'll get a big effort from the Eagles. Check on the injury report for both teams and the Washington football team.
1: Yeah, I, I like the Eagles a little better here, but I don't know if I'm going to play this one. If the line is around six and a half, six, it's a little too rich for me. 11 of the last 17 games between these teams have been one score games, So it's usually close. And this is it's a weird spot on a Tuesday evening. And we don't really know we're going to get from either side. I agree that Minshew is not a huge downgrade as a player from Jalen hurts, but it's a big downgrade in identity. Like I, I've been in on this Eagles team because of that run first identity that they'd really taken with hurts and Minshew does give them other options. I just feel like I, I don't want the standard version of the Eagles with them passing. I want, I want the unique Eagles with hurts and the rushing attack that has actually been working and getting some interest from me. So it, if I know Hertz is playing, if I can get this line under 6 so get out, get past that key number of five, five and a half, somewhere in there. Maybe I'll look at the Eagles, but uh, I think otherwise I may stay away from this one. The other game Tuesday night, you and I are actually interested in this one. Seahawks at Rams. This is a big one. Rams have dominated this rivalry lately. Right now, Rams are six and a half or seven point favorites, depending on your book. See, this is basically the line is about back to where it was before all the COVID stuff came in. So we both like Seahawks here. Why do you like Seattle?
2: I just think this line is too hot. Like when you look at this Los Angeles Rams team, I don't know if they've necessarily proved anything to me. I, and Especially when you look at this, the fact that this Arizona Cardinals team, they lost to the Detroit lions today. So that's a big reason why this line is so high. And look, you're, you you what is their record against winning teams? Like, what, Like, who have they truly, truly beat? Obviously, they beat the, the, the Buccaneers earlier in the season. But, I mean, outside of that, they, they've struggled. They lost to the 49ers, lost to the Packers. They got blown out by the Titans. This team is a team that's been beaten up on inferior competition all year long. And when you look at the history between the, the Seahawks and the Rams, these teams always play each other tough. They played each other tough earlier on this year in the game in which Russell Wilson got injured. So I'm expecting a closer matchup. Rams still have some guys out with COVID. We still don't know who's missing from them. Ramsey is back for this matchup. And I I think the COVID news is it's going to loom large over all these games. Obviously, Lockett was out for Seattle, but I just think it's too many points.
1: Yeah, I think it's too many points. And I think it's interesting, too. So the last time we saw the Rams on the field was Monday night a week ago when they beat up on the Cardinals and looked so good. And it was very telling to me, I thought, that the Rams entered Monday night favored by seven in this game, beat the Cardinals, looked great in Arizona, and came out of the game still favored by the same seven points. That, to me, is the book saying, go ahead, bring us your Rams money. Throw it all on there. We're not moving the line at all. We want that action. Give us your Rams money. I like Seattle here. I think it's too many points. I think there's too much faith in the Rams right now. Before Monday Night Football, over the previous six weeks, the Rams ranked 31st in the NFL on EPA offensively. They were basically tied with the Texans as the worst offense in the league. And the Texans were extremely offensive during that stretch. I assure you, the Rams were second to last passing EPA during that stretch too. So they've not been good. I don't know that one game against the Cardinals magically fixes everything for them. Russell Wilson for the season Number one EPA on early downs. He's looking a little healthier each week. He's going to miss Tyler Lockett. So that is a big hit here. But before all the news this week, this was one of my favorite spots, Seattle plus seven in that range. I still like it a lot here. Russell Wilson has an underdog 25, 12, and two against the spread in his career. 68% cover rate. So he's a guy that shows up. Seattle's not out of this yet. Seattle has a real chance to win out here. And I'm seeing plus 2400 at some books to make the playoffs. I already got my money in on that one. It's a long shot, but I don't think it's a 24 to one long shot. The NFC race is open. Russell Wilson's playing well. If they get this game here, they've got a real chance to close out strong and maybe still get into nine and eight. And nine and eight gives you a shot in the NFC. So I like Seattle here. I'm going to play the money line as well. Are you going to play the money line or stick with the cover? I'm going to stick with the cover.
2: But I, I agree with you. I do think they're alive to possibly make the playoffs at this point. So I do like the long shot there. I've got the Bears, the Lions, and the Cardinals. All of those are winner, winnable games. And I think we can see it happen. I'm, ne- I'm never going to count Russell out. Russell is probably one of my favorite players in the league. He's a guy who's just carried this franchise for so long. So yeah. he's never a guy that you want to count out. They'll have a chance.
1: Their biggest problem is not necessarily getting to that 9-8. and eight. I think they could do that. But a lot of the teams that they may have to go ahead to head tiebreaker with are the teams they lost to already. So they're going to need to win and they're going to need to get some help along the way. It's it's a steep challenge for sure. But I think Seattle does have a shot. Should be interesting. We get some football. We're on. This is day two of a 10-day stretch where we have NFL games on eight out of the 10 days. And who knows? The way things are going. We might fill in those other days, too. So we'll see how this turns out with Christmas coming up. We are going to cautiously tiptoe in to our Week 16 hot read and just do one pick each. There's a lot of COVID news and everything this week, so let's hit our hot read and give you one to pick before the Christmas holiday.
0: Hot rock! Blue 17! On Dice ripes, right, Ice cream! Jose! Ludo Raiders!
2: 19 Who you got, Rahim? I'm laying the two and a half points with the Cincinnati Bengals. I think I told you guys a couple of weeks ago that the Baltimore Ravens could possibly miss the, the postseason, And I'm still on that path. Look, Bengals, they can stop the run. They haven't allowed teams to rush for for hundred yards in like the last five games. And I, I think they can do it again this week. And that's big against the Ravens who they, they kind of need to run the ball. But the big part of this handicap is the Ravens defense. I know you guys have seen it. Obviously, they missed Calais Campbell this week on the defensive line. So the Packers were able to run the ball at will. And I think I think the Bengals will be able to run the ball with Joe Mixon. But the real problem with the with the, with the Baltimore Ravens right now is that they can't stop the pass. They're 25th in dropback EPA per play. Like they're like this team can't stop the pass. We saw Aaron Rodgers. Vontae Adams get whatever they wanted in the passing game. And look, Jamar Chase is the offensive rookie of the year. Tyler Board's on the other side. Joe Burrow and this offense is going to be able to get whatever they want as long as they remain aggressive. And you look at the Ravens offense, I still don't trust this Ravens offense. Outside of this game against the Packers, you look at four out of the last five games or so, they haven't been able to break 20 points. So I'm taking the Bengals here. I'm laying it with them. I also think you might as well put something on the Bengals to win the AFC North because I think right now they're probably the best team in this division, pound for pound. And maybe you want to put a little something on, on the Ravens and miss the playoffs.
1: Yeah, the Bengals and the Ravens are basically dead heat to, to uh, win the division at books right now. So and obviously this game will go a long ways toward determining certainly who is the favorite in that division. I got a little something, something on Pittsburgh. I got Pittsburgh in a few parlays. I had a. Uh, we talked about this. I had a Bills, Colts, Steelers parlay, and one with the Rams. A little extra ticket on there too. Good weekend for my very, very long shot, five thousand to one division parlay. This is a good start so far. So uh, the Bengals. I needed the Bengals to lose to the Broncos so that the Bengals are looking a little better than I was hoping they would be. Another Bengals win here. I agree with you. It's a good spot for them. The other thing, to you didn't mention. We know if Lamar Jackson will play. So. It's entirely possible he misses again. And if you do, then you got to grab this line now because it's going to probably get closer to a touchdown by kickoff if Lamar is out again, even as good as Tyler Huntley has looked. So I, I like that one. Uh, I'm going to go an ugly on my pick. I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons minus four and a half at home against the Detroit Lions. So this is just a number play because the Falcons were a touchdown favorite this morning. And then what happened? The Lions won a game, so we moved the line two and a half points, and now we're getting value on Atlanta here. Look, Atlanta, or sorry, Detroit, here's what happens. It's not like this team has broke through and is suddenly a good team now. We've seen this with the Lions. Week one, they hung with the Niners. They come back out the next week, get blown off the field by the Packers. The next week, they almost beat Baltimore. The next game after, lose by double digits to the Bears. They almost beat the Vikings. The next week, they lose by 21 to the Bengals. They lead the Rams in the fourth quarter. They lose the next week by 38 to the Eagles. They beat the Vikings, their first win of the season. They lose by 28 the next game. So this is the yo-yo effect happening. I'm not really worried about the Lions here. The other thing too, we know Atlanta has been very up and down, but they're actually been kind of predictable. Against teams that are currently in the playoff hunt, and I'm counting the Eagles there for now, Atlanta is 0-6 minus 145 point differential. You play someone good like the Niners today, they get crushed. Against everyone else, Atlanta's six and two with a plus fifteen point differential. Guess what? The Lions are extremely everyone else still. So I'm gonna take Atlanta. I think we're getting a gift of a few points here. This line's gonna move back up. People are gonna put their money on Atlanta. It's gonna, you know, move toward a
2: touchdown again. So I'm gonna grab that one before the line jumps back. I'm not gonna lie to you. I think this spreads a little bit too high. I actually have it like three and a half. <laughs> so at like four and a half, I just, I just can't do it. I, I really can't get there. Obviously, I think maybe this line might be a little bit higher based on the result that we saw today. Obviously, the Falcons were like one of five in the red zone against the sport ers team. And it probably should have been a closer game, which they covered. But I mean, when you look at these teams, these are these are pretty equally matched teams. You got Falcons 25th in EPA play on offense. Lions, 29th in EPA play on offense. When you look at the defense, Lions, 30th in EPA per play on defense. Falcons, twenty six. So I think this line should probably be around three, three and a half. I really don't want to lay four and a (laughs) half, five points, Matt Ryan in the dead zone. So I wish you the best of luck. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you took a dump
1: on my hot read. However, the numbers, you're right. The numbers are not kind to the Falcons. But it's a very polarized team. If we're able to separate out Falcons versus definitely good teams and Falcons against anyone else, then those numbers really switch out a lot. And of course, that'd be true of anyone. But with Atlanta, it's been extremely true this year. So I like the Falcons here. I've been kind of playing the hot and cold team with some success lately. And I think it's a good spot to fade Detroit off of their win. Detroit, I think, will be in a little bit of panic mode, too. Like we got to make sure that we lose a game now and keep our high draft pick. So there's a little bit of incentive there, too. The Falcons are still in the playoff mix. They shouldn't be, but they are. So, well, I guess we'll go ahead to head on this truly irrelevant, terrible Falcons-Lions game and see what happens there. That's going to wrap it up today at the Action Network podcast. Stucky and Raybon are back Wednesday night with their six-pack betting guide. Raheem and I are back Thursday afternoon this week. We'll be dropping that one early with the holidays coming. Uh, so we'll get our usual run through the slate and some look-aheads getting you ready for Christmas weekend of NFL football. For Raheem Palmer, I'm Brandon Anderson, and this has been the Action Network podcast. We are on to week 16.